In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we We salute salute you. you. Guys, thank you for listening to this episode of The Man Card Podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to manhood. Our goal of every episode is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless and nameless void of a male-dominated bleachers, and to call you up to the absolute best version of you. Because when you are at your best version, when you get it, Everyone wins. I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with the mix master, the PhD of sound, my accountability partner, board member, my friend Pat George. How you doing, man? I'm good today, man. Good to be here. You're looking good in the royal blue. My favorite. Blue on today. Besides camouflage, royal blue is my favorite color. So not salmon. No, because I. No, that's pink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'll say salmon in front of your wife, so it sounds more manly when yeah, you're wearing your pink shirt. You. So anyway, and I'm also here on the other side here with a good friend, producer, co-host, the backbone of the MCP, Dale Culver. What's going on, Dale Culver? Doing doing great stuff. Mm-hmm. Really? Nursing back, back my uh, black eye. I took a laptop, too, from the little guy. Yeah. Is it looking good? Yeah, I just am glad you stopped. I thought you were going to stop at nursing. I'm just nursing. So yeah. I was like, Dude, yeah. you better keep going because yeah. you're making me nervous. I, Wrestling I, I making it, me nervous. I thought it was a piercing gone, yeah. gone bad up there. Wrestling the with my five-year-old. He picked up my laptop when I wasn't looking and hucked it at me. Open it. Wow. You know, it looks a lot better than yesterday, yeah. which yeah. looks a lot better than Monday. So Yeah. yeah. 
I so yeah, put away even. weapons and, and a MacBook Air can be a weapon. And what people don't know about Dale is he passes out at the sight of blood. But I didn't know. literally, really, literally, I did not just know drops. That. Yeah, I, but you couldn't see it because it's right over. Oh your no, eye. I lifted my hand off and I saw the and blood. You didn't? I'm what? like, I'm leaking. I might need a towel over here. That's, and you didn't go growth. down. That's growth. I put my feet up and head yeah. down. That's a growth moment. Yeah, didn't yeah. go down. That's exciting. Yeah. He yelled at me earlier, and then he. Yeah, he didn't pass out over blood. That's yeah. two areas that's, he's growing, and he's been yeah. working out like five days a week. So three yeah. areas of growth. That's transformation. That's middle. pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know what that is, dude. It's a muscle. Oh, is it? I thought <laughs> I thought those are two strings hanging off your polo. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, hey man, you got a man word for me today? Yeah, my man word is healthy. Oh, oh, you should have let me guess yeah, that. Let, I would have guessed asked. that. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to guess. Yeah, you would have. Oh, tell me why, besides our guest, our why guest. did you pick that yeah, one? Yeah, you know, just taking care of yourself. I think my daughters want me to be around when they uh, get married. They keep saying that. So if we don't take care of ourselves, uh, uh, the guy that I work out with, he actually is uh, mentoring a guy and walking with him every day that this guy was super heavy. He lost his eyesight. It, his And they say yeah. it's attributed to his weight. And he has been walking. He actually jogged a mile without eyesight uh, with Sean, our friend. Yeah. And uh, this guy is now, uh, like, I believe he's at 240 pounds. He, yeah, I or, met him. I met him last yeah, week. Yeah, great guy, sharp. Uh, but, yeah, he was massive. And so he's dropped a ton of weight. Well, and That's those of you guys don't know Sean, Sean Strong's been on the show before. I'll probably bring those two guys on again. But Sean is actually the lead pastor of our Men in the Arena closed Facebook uh, forum for men. So he's the guy that really facilitates that. Great guy. And uh, so and yeah. does a great job. He does a great, great job. Yeah. So, yeah. So, guys, reach out to him on the Men in the Arena page and tell him that he's awesome. So, speaking of that, I'm really excited about our Men in the Arena page. It continues to uh, not only grow numerically, but it's growing in the depth. It's growing on the engagement with these guys. Guys, if... If you're out there and you're listening, you need to get on that page. Oh, I don't have a Facebook account. Well, hey, go get one. They're super easy to start up. Get on that page with us, and it's closed. It's only for men, and uh, we've booted some guys off. We've, we don't approve every guy. We don't approve every post. We really try to keep it uh, focused on manhood and manly issues. So excited about that. Hey, I'm excited today about our guest, Ira Brown. And so we heard about him through Bob Hunter, which we had on the podcast uh, maybe a month or so ago. And uh, Ira has a story that was inspiring to me personally, and so I want to bring him on. And what people don't realize is there's a mentality between healthy people and non-healthy people. There's a mentality between the two. There's a difference between the two. And whether it's spiritual health, uh, social health, emotional health, or physical health, there is a difference between healthy people and non-healthy people. I would consider myself a very emotionally healthy man. And when somebody comes to me who is not emotionally healthy, I sniff it out. And I use we I use different terminology than they use. They speak differently, right? Same thing with spiritually healthy. They speak different. Same thing with physically healthy. They speak in different things. We were joking before the podcast. If Pat, you're a dog, if you tell me, because you're a very healthy man, if you say, Jim, it's okay to have pizza once in a while. Now, what you mean by that is, what does once in a while mean to you for yeah, pizza? It, well, for pizza, for me, once in a while, you could have it once a month, twice a month. Okay, so what I hear you saying is once a week, the whole pizza just for me. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm a big guy, yeah, and my mentality is different than a healthy guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so just, and you're thinking you can have a slice of pizza, you know, only cheese, 
gluten-free crust. I'm no, going, no. I can have one monster pizza and shove that puppy in, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All that to be said, we got a guy on the store, our podcast, Ira Brown. He's got a great story. It's super inspiring. Uh, we can only see Ira's face right now, but that's the that's a fit-looking head right there. <laughs> you can just tell the guy's fit. Look at that. No double chin. Yeah, neck. Sharp jawline. He's he's kind of he's kind of rubbing his face like kind of a little bit of nonverbal smack talking right now, so he's got a full set of teeth, so we know you're not from the a coast of Oregon. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, so it's great to have beautiful bald head, man. Well, you gotta love those guys. Anyway, uh, he's on the show today. He's been married to his beautiful wife Paula for 39 years, father of two daughters and five grandchildren. He is the lead pastor of Prescott Church of the Nazarene. Sitting at about five thousand two hundred eighty feet, mile high, and um, he's uh, been there. Listen to this: he's been there thirty four years. No, 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 that's not no. true. Been a no. pastor thirty four years, and you're in this church now. My bad, my bad. So this is a this is cool. I love this. Under we asked him what his accomplishments and accolades that he's the most proud of. So this is part of his story. He said he's pastored for thirty four years. He's the young. Uh, he's the toughest, or it's the, he's currently at the toughest assignment of his career, leading an older congregation through transition to a more missional approach. He's completed fifty-five endurance races in the last nine years, twenty-two triathlons, four half marathon, four of them are half Ironmans. At age fifty, he realized he had to take make a radical change to his life, or die early. So he began going to the YMCA in place of lunch. Not being a runner, not being a cyclist, not being a swimmer, he became an endurance athlete. There's so much to say there, but I'm going to move yeah, on. That's amazing. Uh, he taught himself to swim, overcoming a basic fear of water. Um, 35 of the above races included an open water swim. That's huge right that's there. Uh, this new devotion in his life, he had to surrender to God and to find balance with the rest of life, marriage, and work. Uh, he writes, having, mo- uh, having moved recently to the mountains of north-central Arizona, I am now doing some mountain bike racing. Gotta love the mountain bike. And learning to climb mountains on my road bike. The journey has taught me many life lessons. So I want to introduce my new friend, uh, Ira Brown. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. Super Got good a to have hoarseness in my voice today, but I'm doing really great. It sounds so manly. It's awesome. I mean, I feel like you, you could be on a radio talk show. So, <laughs> so right. your your passion here is helping people respond to God's invitation, but also um, uh, to work in what God is doing. And you also have a real passion for health and fitness, right? That's right. So, what I'm going to do before we throw you into our stories, I'm going to throw you into our rapid fire round. Now, are you ready for this? Um, I hope so. We're going to test your metal, my friend. So oh, I'm going to ask go. you uh, f- five or six questions, and uh, I- I'm going to throw you into what I call the this or that round. So you're a pastor; okay. you can talk, you can think fast on your feet. So oh, I'm going to just so. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start. Some of them are fun; some of them are more serious. Okay. So okay. are you ready for this? First one: Bat. Would you rather be Batman or Robin? I'm sorry, Batman or Superman? I'd rather be Batman. Why is that? He has the coolest car. That's wonderful. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a gearhead. So. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. Batman is the no superhuman power. No, you know, but he's got it all done by the uh, the gears and gadgets and his own body. So yeah, good, 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 dude. Next one: live to work 
or work to live? I think uh, live. I think work to live. I I I don't want to do it the other way. I think that's I think that's a, a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I work at at some. I work at playing really a lot. And it helps my work. I hope that makes sense. No, that's totally true, especially with what you're doing as a pastor. You got people, uh, sounds like you're in a little bit smaller church. You're trying to refocus. You probably get phone calls 24 hours a day. And yeah. uh, in order to do that, you've got you've to have a right mindset. No, I love that. You have to play. You have to have that component, the health component, or you'll, you'll burn out. So. Yeah, that's good, man. Soccer or football? Football. <laughs> God bless America. Grew up in the day when there wasn't <laughs> yeah. soccer. You know, we, we didn't think soccer was an was an American sport back in the seventies well, in I, Western Oklahoma. <laughs> but my girls played soccer, but I, a great sport. But no, it's definitely football. So didn't so, play through high school. Played through junior high. I love it. So when your girls, uh, when they uh, got done playing uh, soccer, what sports did they play? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, I'm getting ready, Ira. You're gonna love this. I'm getting ready to go into the most angry, probably two week phase of my life, and it happens every four year during the World Cup. And I watch yeah. all these male soccer players flop. Now, yeah, I saw the, it today. the, the yeah. women's soccer players are so tough; they're yeah. really fun to watch. But the guys, I'm like, dude, this is not okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Flop. Oh man. Okay. Okay. Well, now that we know that you can be on our podcast, <laughs> okay. so would you? Okay. Here we go. Golf or tennis? Oh, golf. But I'm a terrible golfer, but I'm a worse tennis player. <laughs> well, you're in Arizona. I figure golf, you've got to golf if you live in Arizona. Oh, I, I had my moments with golf. I, I <laughs> you know, I even lived on a golf course when I first moved here and didn't play one round. But I went to Goodwill and bought some clubs. <laughs> so you're real serious about it, Just I can tell. Case, you know, you know, I'm not a golfer, but much more golf than tennis. <laughs> well, you can, do, you can run around and do pay, play paintball on golf courses and all sorts yeah. of cool yeah. stuff. So, okay, um... So relax on the couch or relax on the bike? Oh, relax on the bike. I I love love the bike. How it, is that? As much, re- as much pain as it is, it's it's a great experience. I'm love going on bike. a I'm going mountain on a bike. It's amazing. Mountain biking. Uh, I broke two ribs in one of my first mountain bike races here. But there's a lot of pain to it. But there's how oh, the mountain bike is amazing in the the mountains here. I'm actually going on a mountain bike ride today, and I know it's going to hurt like crazy, but um, <laughs> but that's the way it works when you're my size. So, and actually, Pat just loaned out my mountain bike to Pat, my other bike, and so we're going to get doing yeah, this thing together. So it'll be fun. Started. So, okay, would you? Okay, here we go. Next one: live to eat or eat to live. <laughs> well, I think the reality is I probably live to eat, but I need to change to eat to live. <laughs> A little honesty here. Okay, so you still have still the big... my battle is the eating, yes. So you yes. have the big guy mentality still. I, I do. I I do. I, I grew up with uh, a mother who would make a uh, pie, and me and my dad would eat it every night. You know, that's <laughs> that was the way I was raised. It's probably one of the still the great battles. So a, a little confession about about where I'm at, but... Well, yeah. that's I appreciate that, and I think there's gonna be a lot of confession today. Probably more me. That our listeners know that I've struggled with my eating and weight, and uh, and uh, I'm a fit big guy, but yeah. uh, you know I can go out there and rip out probably 15 pull-ups right now. I could probably go do it right now if you get enough adrenaline going. Enough guys watching me. I did two sets of 20 on the bench press yesterday at 175 easily. 
So I'm I'm fit. Yeah, I'm just big. Fit. So so but my question, I want to talk through this because you've done something. You know, I, I watch social media, follow a lot of people on social media, and you see a lot of these powdered drink shake people that are posting all these wonderful results of weight loss based on all these uh these uh, fad diets they're on, but a year and a half later they're as bigger, bigger. And I was one of those guys, but you have found a way in your life to take the weight off and keep it off for nine years. And to me, your story is really inspiring. And I want you to share that story with us because I think that you've got something to bring that's you're an expert in this field of health and how to keep the weight off forever. Well, for at least nine years and to do those things in the midst of being a big guy. So tell us your fitness journey, your personal story. Well, in high school, I was a, I became a basketball player. So I was, you know, I was about 180 when I graduated from high school. I'm 6'3", so I'm a, I'm a big guy, a tall oh. guy. So 6'3", 180. So in, in the race world, I could compete as a Clydesdale, they call them, yep. over 200 pounds. But I usually compete in my age group. Not, I don't, I just have a tendency not to want to be the Clydesdale, but I've always been active, you know, uh, played some church league basketball and, you know, through the years. But as I got older, I, I just really, I, I really began to put on the weight and, and, you know, I made it through the thirties. Okay. Then I got into the forties and man, I'm telling you, the wheels started to come off. And I had this moment when I was about to turn 50 and I said, something has to change. And I um, wasn't a runner, wasn't a cyclist, wasn't a swimmer. And I thought, where could I start? And I said, well, I could start by not going out to lunch every day and eating hot <laughs> food. Because, <laughs> you know, as a pastor, you could, oh, gosh, you can eat with everybody every day. Well, the church potlucks and the foyer snacks, I mean, it's a disaster. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I, you know, all of a sudden all the ways I used to eat really caught up with me and I was just putting on more and more weight and I just said, I have to do something. So I said, I'm going to join a YMCA, which was a a mile from my church there in Mesa, Arizona. I was down in Phoenix at the time. Mm. And I went down and I, I just, you know, I used to lift weights some. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll walk on the treadmill. So I walked on the treadmill and uh, that was where I started, walking on a treadmill. And I started lit, doing the weight circuit on just the machines. And, mm-hmm. man, uh, I I just – all this – it was so hard, but it became uh, a habit. Uh, I devoted myself to it every day at lunch. I would catch a smoothie, which isn't maybe the best advice, but I would take that to my desk when I was done. And the weight started to come off, and I started to feel better. <clears throat> so – I, I was on that treadmill and I thought, gosh, I wish I could be a runner. But I thought, you're too big to be a runner. You, you, you weren't a great runner, you know, when you were young. But I started running on the treadmill just a little bit. Just um, finally got up to where I could run a mile and a half on a treadmill. And I thought, wow, that's, that's I'm getting better at this. Mm-hmm. So then I took it to the road and I tried to run on the road. And, Oh gosh, it hurt. I'm telling you, it was so much worse than a treadmill. And, you know, I could run about a mile and I just kept adding to it. And that whole devotion to go every day at noon, I I got to where I couldn't not do it. It just gave me such good, positive results. 
I, I remember on the treadmill, they had the different tests for the different armed forces. <laughs> so I would, I began to punch in the numbers, you know, and see how much I could do in terms of their PT and, you know, see if I can make it in the Marine Corps. <laughs> <at age laughs> or, um, but I, I began to do some of that. And um, I was in a locker room one day and this one other guy is a big guy like me. I noticed he would always come in from the pool. And the pools in Phoenix are outdoors, and you can swim year-round. You know, in the summer, you're, you're roasted, but in the winter, they're heated. And he, he was saying, you know, I saw the most change in my body when I started swimming. And I thought, gosh, swimming? I, I wonder if I could be – and I'm, I wasn't a swimmer. I was afraid of, of the water. I, I just – I mean, we would go to Havasupai Falls and take kids down there on trips, and I was terrified to swim out to the waterfall. I – just could barely get out and back. And I, I thought, I'm going to try that. So I, uh, I took my trunks, my old, you know, terrible looking trunks and put them on in January and went out on the pool deck and was ready to become a swimmer. And, uh, a kid pooped in the pool and they shut the pool down. So I didn't get to do it. And I said, oh, God, this must be a sign. I'm not going to swim. But I thought, yeah. no, I'm going to try it. So God, this is a sign. <laughs> went back the next day and <clears throat> couldn't swim 25 yards. I, oh, I barely whoa. could get to the other end. I was whoa. like, oh, gosh, this isn't fun. And I, I, I really struggled. So I bought videos. I'm, I'm the kind of guy who bought videos, uh, total immersion videos. And I watched them. The guy told you to quit swimming. He showed you how to do these different movements. And I won't. It's, you're hearing me, you can't see it, but I, I, I'm a self-taught swimmer and I learned a long distance to be kick swim stroke. And, um, uh, I could hardly, I got to where I could swim a hundred yards and then uh, I couldn't get past 200 uh, without stopping, you know? Yeah. And one day something clicked in my brain and I was able to just go and go and go. And I, I never forget the day I swam a thousand yards without stopping. Now, I'm not doing flip turns. I'm doing the recreational turn. Yeah. But a thousand yards. And I was so excited. I, I went back into the Y and there was a lady who ran the weight room by the name of Jan who had a Brooklyn accent. And she was always a cheerleader. And I said, Jan, I swam a thousand yards. And she said, you should do a triathlon. And I Whoa. said, you're uh -huh. nuts. What, a triathlon? All I'd ever seen were the Ironman races every year, you know, in October. Yeah. On NBC, I'd watch it. And I was like, oh, God, I wish I could do that. That looks like such an amazing thing. And, and so she sort of planted this seed in my head. I thought, triathlon. And about the same time, my wife, this is summertime now, she says, hey, I want to buy some bikes. And let's ride bikes. And I said, you're nuts. It's Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> it's 110. <laughs> it's June. She goes, yeah, but in the evenings, we could ride in the neighborhood. And I was like, okay. When it so gets down I to bought 95. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, down to 95. <laughs> so we bought beach cruisers at Walmart. And we started riding the neighborhoods. And it was a great, that was a great connection with my wife. Uh, you know, something we could do together. So we started riding bikes. And uh, so I have all these pieces moving. I'm running a little on the road. I'm, I'm uh, riding a bike. I'm swimming. I'm in the locker room at the Y again. This guy named Tom, who's older than me, in his 60s, says, 
you should do a triathlon. And I said, a triathlon? And he told me there were sprint triathlons. There were shorter ones. And that, you know, three-mile run, a mile swim, a 12-mile bike ride. And I thought, I, I could do that. So I signed up for my first triathlon six weeks out, <clears throat> traded the beach cruiser in on another bike. And then I bought an old Dave Scott Ironman 1980 steel frame bicycle. Uh, bought bought me my onesie tri suit and I'm telling you, dude, I'm gonna open water swim for the first time in my life, and I was terrified. And uh, that that was about nine years ago this September, and uh, I finished. I thought I was gonna die, and <laughs> I was caught, and I just started training and upping it, and started. I I moved up to Olympic distance, which is your mile swim and your uh, 26 mile bike ride and your 10 K. And I did, I've done mostly Olympic distances. And then I got to a point where I said, I'm going to try a half Ironman. <laughs> how, how long is that? How long is that? A half Ironman. 50 is, mile bike ride, um, right? It's a mile. It's a mile and a quarter swim. It's a uh, 50 some 56 mile bike ride and it's a half marathon. It takes me six hours. I'm doing that training stretched me so far. It, it really began to impact me in work and marriage. And so I, I had to back off from that. I, I kind of found my own limits and, you know, cause I, I, in my head, I thought to be a real triathlete, I have to do a full Ironman, but I've done four half. So I can say I've done that's two. like two. Yeah. <laughs> that's like so, two. so how did it, how did it affect I'm assuming at this stage it was negatively affecting you. You went to a yeah, you went too I, far. I, I be I went too far. So I'm the guy who went too far to the point that, and I, I think that's one of the warnings for guys hearing this is oh I just need to start doing triathlons. You have to understand I had an empty nest at home. My kids were gone. We got married early. Had our kids early. Um, I had. And, and I, I could see it. I, it's all I could think about because it takes so much time and energy to do this. It began to creep in and take over ministry and some other things. And I had to make an adjustment. Um, and I'm a middle of the pack guy. I don't, I don't place on the podium. I'm, and you, there's a bell curve in this whole thing too. You'll improve for five years if you start running at any age. But when you hit that five years, you start to decline and, you have to ask yourself, why am I doing this? And so I, I uh, began to make adjustments to bring a little bit more balance. So, so Ira, one thing I have never asked, and I don't know. I don't even know this. I probably, I have probably been negligent here. What was your weight at its highest? Your six three one eighty in high school. What was at what oh, point did my, you look in the mirror? My highest was probably I was probably two forty, two forty two. I went all the way down to two twelve which was really low for me. I don't, I, you know, and then your body adjusts. The other thing you'll find out is that your body adjusts to all this trauma and your weight will creep up and you'll get new set points. And I, I think really I, right now I would tell you that I'm, I'm probably could stand to lose 10 pounds. Uh, some guys race better at a little heavier than a little lighter, but probably my ideal weight is about 220. I think now that might, you know, you have to look at my size and not get too hung up on that. But um, 
I, I think we talked before I I have my big go-to, my problem and challenge is Dr. Pepper. <laughs> you consume so many calories doing this and you get into the real extreme stuff. Uh, I mean, even when you do Ironman, still have soda that you drink, you lose all, you just are burning so many calories. So there's actually a balance back where you, you know, you'll actually lose some weight if you don't do as much. It's, it's a real interesting dynamic with your metabolism and yeah. sugar loss. And so you, so would you say, I know your high school weight's not a realistic weight as adults, but no. how much would you say you've lost and kept off 60 pounds? Is that a fair number? Or am I shooting too high? I think that's a little much. I'd, I'd say that I really, I've been more in like the 20 to 30 pound range. I, that's been more where I've been. I'm not the, the huge weight loss guy, but, but the, the endurance physical fitness I have is incredible. I mean, for my age, when I go to the doctor, they'll say, Oh man, you have, you know, you're more like in your forties. Um, so I have much more energy. I can outwork, I can outwork almost anybody. Uh, and I mean that physically, or it gave me such ability to work longer hours, to be active. I'm a grandpa. I have five grandkids. I can keep up with them. I work in the yard. I, I work on cars, the, just the physical endurance I have beyond the triathlon, but I had to cut back. I mean, there was a time when I was doing so much training, I was exhausted all the time. So that's the downside. So, so besides the weight loss, you've seen an increased energy. Now, is it Pat 30% more energy? If you exercise in a day, is that what the, I think I'm pretty sure the statistic is if you exercise, you have 30% and I'm an afternoon exerciser, which kind of kills me because then I'm up and wired till 11. But but for you, you increased energy. What else? What other physical benefits did or benefits did you experience with your well, I new had weight health? loss? I had lower blood pressure. I had um, I I was hardly ever today. I have a cold. I was hardly ever sick. I mean, I remember in the peak of that time, I I had much better immunity uh, in general. Uh, I think the psychological benefits were huge, though. I think the the, the spiritual and mental side pastoring is very stressful it's more stressful now than it's ever been i would go swim at lunch and uh it was like a mind eraser and, mm. you know you go through all the stress of the morning i go swim maybe it's just because i was trying not to drown in the early years but it's the breathing <laughs> different it's kind of breathing stress and different the kind of stress. swimming would like just erase your mind it's like when you wake up from a good night's sleep cycling i i think there's a freedom in cycling of uh, I, I think that I remember at 16, I bought a 10 speed and rode it as a kid. It gave me great freedom. And so it's almost like you're a kid again, uh, the go fast thing. Oh yeah. Uh, the running is an acquired taste. It's the most painful. Uh, people say you're going to run your knees. It was the opposite. I actually have a slight meniscus tear and I, I actually have never had to have surgery and I have to kind of watch that, but I actually am better off with my joints than before I started all this. Well, you know, what's interesting and Pat jump in cause you're, you've been a doc forever. What I have found is the more I move as I get older, the better my joints feel. I have people tell me all the time, Oh, my knees, my knees, my knees. I, and I'm like, well, I've had two knee surgeries. My knees are perfect. I'm a big fan of hiking and biking and lifting. Those are my kind of three things. But Pat, what, what is, what have you looked? Cause you're a, you're a runner and very yeah. fit guy. What do you know about joint pain as we age? Well, first of all, the, uh, Olympic Training Center did a big study that showed that uh, 
uh, running is no harder on your knees than just being up walking around. So I feel that any movement we get into our joints, you're creating a, a fluid pump. You know, you're pumping fluids in there. We're creating more uh, cellular movement for repair, uh, getting better blood flow, which brings in oxygen. So you're getting more repair uh, in, in that process. So uh, movement is definitely the key. Well, I know with my, I had back surgery. I had a weightlifting injury and I had ended up having back surgery. And the thing that healed the back, well, I think God had a major factor I in the too. healing, but the other, but the mountain biking put me in a position that created blood flow without yeah. compression. Mm -hmm. But exactly. so you're saying though that running impact has, I would think that that would tear down the, so that does not take away from the cartilage by no. the impact. Yeah, that compression down there, finding that that does not. Um, uh, compress the meniscus or create more oh, damage. Wow. You know, it's more of a I'm still not going to run. It's a torsion. <laughs> you know, it's a torsional effect. When you when yeah, you yeah. when you put that torsional effect in the knee, that's when you start getting into trouble. Football, you know, soccer. Okay. Uh, that sort of okay. Thing. That's those torsional stresses. Yeah. Uh, hey, 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 Ira. I'm really intrigued. I'm gonna. We're gonna take a short break and hear from the sponsors of this show. We're gonna come right back. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that's building an army of men who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts and every man in the arena matters. So get in the game by joining our closed Facebook forum for men called the Men in the Arena. There. You'll lock arms with men from all around the world who are stepping up as their best version. What is a man? What does he do? How does he live? When does he know when he's crossed over from male to man? The lines defining manhood have become blurred, and guys today are more confused than ever. That's why I wrote the man card, five characteristics separating men from boys. Guys, you're going to love this book. Go to the Great Unforgot app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today no book written defines manhood in such a way as this i'll put the man card next to any book ever written on the topic yes i believe it's that good in the man card i expose several myths of manhood and draw a line in the sand between men and males this book will change your life guys thank you so much for jumping into the arena with us today and championing the greatest battle of our time become your best version join the fight to change your world because when you get it everyone wins Okay, we're back, and I, I want to dig in here a little more, Ira. So, so your health changed. You had an energy shift. You had a mentality shift. You saw stress go away. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about your wife. How did this newfound passion? I know you went over the top a little bit, but once you found balance, once you found balance, how did your new health regime affect your your relationship with your wife? Well, I. I think there was a point at where she felt like she's being left behind. Does that make sense? Yes. Riding the bike with my wife and making sure I still did that with her was really important. Uh, she's a walker, though. My wife is the one who walks every morning, you know, two to three miles. So it it benefited her in the sense that I had to make sure that even though I did a long training run or ride that morning, I still would would ride the bike with her. Mm. And so it was something I had to manage and she would, she would, here's the thing that was amazing. She would go to these races with me and she, she was set there. It's not exactly a spectator sport. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so she, she really did sacrifice quite a bit in the beginning and to watch me do that and to go through it. 
one of the aspects that I think would be important for, for this podcast too, was she would uh, watch, we set boundaries uh, because sometimes triathlon and these kind of things can actually ruin a marriage because if you find a woman that's doing triathlon, you can begin to connect there more than with your wife. And so, we set some boundaries. My wife has a rule that I don't do bike rides with other women, not even group rides. Good woman. So I, I remember one time these guys kept wanting me to do a, a road bike ride with them. I showed up and there's two women showed up, you know, showed up. And I was like, oh, my goodness, there's women here and I had to tell her. Uh, but those boundaries were good because what she observed in the, especially the triathlon clubs is that there was there while those are a positive thing you have to guard your marriage well because because paula is more important than any person on the planet yes right and so very important and so i i said i'm not going to be a part of a triathlon club which meant that i trained alone uh and where i could immediately connect there so that was an area there was a time when i pushed it so far that i passed out after my races i would go out she got pretty angry with me about the half Ironman. She would be very upset if I did another half Ironman right now uh, because she's like, that's crazy. You're going too far. So she's always been my balancer. Good for uh, I wouldn't say she was my greatest fan, but I do think she appreciated what it did for me health-wise. And um, it, 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 it just became another component. But she's been very supportive, or I wouldn't have been able to to continue to do it. Well, I part of what we say on this podcast is we want, we're building this army of men in the arena who are becoming their best version. So part of becoming our best version is to be the best physical version. So yeah. you, you said that your physical life, that once you get that ready, when you got that in order, everything else really began to shift for you. So speak to us about was, the holistic approach. It was a missing point. It was a missing item. I had neglected that part where I, you know, obviously I'm into the word and I'm sharing and I'm praying. But um, I, I think I needed to know I, some of the lessons that I learned applied to other areas. So one other thing I learned from endurance sports was that you have to learn to be uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> it's really about learning. It's about as much mental training to be uncomfortable. And you have to know that it, you know, people say, well, how do you find a comfortable bike saddle? You don't. <laughs> They're all torture machines. But you, 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 we expect such comfort and, and you're not going to be comfortable in doing these things. There are days that are good and bad. So you learn that in other areas of life, you're going to be uncomfortable so- relationally, in your job, parenting. That that doesn't mean that you're on the wrong track. Does that mean sense? Oh, that, totally. There's, there's, you being being uncomfortable is a part of life. I don't think some some people are always looking for personal peace, but so learning to be uncomfortable is a big deal. Learning to deal with the pain of it is a big deal. Recovery. You sometimes less is more. Um, I never forget how I just push myself and, you know, you, you get stronger on your rest days and you learn, you can't run every day. A lot of these plans were designed for 20 year olds. Here I am in fifties and I have to adjust them. You set these arbitrary goals that you just pull out of the air that, Oh, I'm going to do this. Well, you know, you have to learn to listen to your body and, and all that translates to your relationship with your wife. It translates to leading a church. It, 
it translates that you you have to have a day off, a break uh, from whatever you're doing. Um, I added in music um, to my, you can't, most races you can't listen to music like triathlon because it's dangerous. But I added in Christian praise music uh, always to my runs, and it became an incredible spiritual experience. Mm. I have amazing times of worship running uh, with my hands up and songs, and and I found that the God could would speak to me. I speak to me when I was out running. I does that make sense? Yep. Or that um, I would get a solution to a problem, like in my current church, I would be running and I I would my brain worked better out there, and I would come up with a solution that to a problem about how you know I could I could communicate it this way. Um, I think it it holistically helped me in terms of with grandchildren. I'm. I'm able to do things with my grandchildren are now they're seven and eight. I'm able to do things with them that I wouldn't be able to do. Well, now if let I, me ask you this question because uh, you know, the, 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 the work, what, some of the things that we, what I think again, in the brain of a large person or a person struggling with their weight, we tend to think, which is unhealthy. If I just work out more, I will be healthy. But we haven't. We're not trying to convince people to become triathlons, triathletes here. But what I, yeah. what I, what I'm learning from your uh, discomfort in fitness, there's another discomfort that we need to really talk about, and this is the one where I really struggle with, the discomfort of managing a healthy diet. Yes. What percentage of diet? Now, Pat and I will kind of go around on this a little bit. Eighty percent, ninety percent, but. What do you, what, in your opinion, what percentage of diet uh, contributed to your health beyond the fitness? I mean, what was a fitness diet? If you have 100% between fitness and diet, how much of that was fitness? How much of that was diet? Because you got a <laughs> lot of time invested. Fitness side, I think what I gained, I'm, I'm just being absolutely transparent. Totally. The side I never really conquered for me was the diet. My wife was the big help there. She's the one who would come in and say, I'm going to, we're going to eat healthier. This food is going out. There's no soda in the house. You know, if you're going to cheat on the soda, you got to go do it out here. So my wife, uh, actually, that is where she was the most supportive in helping me eat better. And me just realizing I can't keep doing this. And I, I fall back in that. To be honest, that's my struggle. I, I think the danger was to say, um, yeah, I'm doing all this. I can drink this much soda and it's okay. Or I can eat this. Um, so that's an area that most of my change was the fitness side. I, I'm, I, I got most of my benefit there. I did get some change in diet with my wife, but I can still tell you that's an area I'm, I'm working on. Okay. So what about, so people who are out there listening right now who have been sedentary, uh, such as yourself for years, and they're yeah. saying, listen, I need to make a change. So uh, the problem I see sometimes, and I, I don't think it was your problem, but, you know, I see, uh, you know, you go to a gym, you you would work with somebody there, and they throw you on a four- to five-day plan. And I'm just not sure that's a great option for somebody who's been sedentary for 30 years. So, I mean, what, yeah. what are some things you'd recommend? Well, Maybe it's personality-driven. I don't know. I, I see people who um, – I see this all the time. Here in my church a few weeks ago, I had a guy who'd been real sedentary, and 
and he's much younger than me. He's probably 40, and he was going to do it. He's decided he was going to do a 10K, and he had never – he was running two miles. Two miles was his longest run. I go, you're crazy. You can't – you you know, and I said, you don't need to run anymore. You're not even going to be able to finish the 10K. And we're talking about here in the mountains. And 6.1 miles? Ahead, 6.1? Yeah, he went ahead and did it, and he finished it, but he ended up pulling a hamstring. And I, So what <laughs> people don't understand is, is that you build endurance over years, mm-hmm. and you have to start really small amounts, slow and consistent. So the big danger of somebody hearing me talk about this is like, oh, gosh, I can you have to realize it took me years and years of consistently doing this and starting very small. Uh, I mean, I started walking on a treadmill, walking on a treadmill every day and it got boring. And, you know, so it's just learning to add. And there are rules to that about, you know, how you increase your running. You get injured, you take a month off, you start, you just add a small percentage, you know, to running. There's lots of guidelines out there. But uh, you have to start doing something, and you need to do it on a regular basis. Now, the competition was a key to me. I discovered that I like to compete. And I, I think when I was a young man, I, I didn't handle losing well or not being number one. You know, Ricky Bobby, if you're not the first. I want to go fast. I want to go fast. I want to go fast. I'm like. I'm like, I think a lot of us, if I'm not first, you're last. Well, yeah. you have to accept the fact that you're going to be, I just said, oh, God, please don't let me be the last one. <laughs> through the, I would check the charts, but I found that I like to compete. And I, 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 what's kept me at this for nine years is I will pick a race and I will train for that race. And when I'm done with it, it measures me and I'll pick another race and I'll pick another race. And the other thing I would say is if you look at triathlon, what's the beauty of that is I'm not just running. I'm not just swimming. I'm not just cycling. I'm doing three things. And people say, well, that's exhausting. But that's the beauty of it because it actually it works your body. Use different muscles in all three. And um, I think a variety of types of exercises are, are very important. Uh, so... I, I, I sometimes ask myself now, am I at the end of this journey? Do I, do I transition? Because there are transitions. You know, I have a buddy who's now placing on the podium, and his, he's in his 65-plus. It's because everybody quit or died. <laughs> I tell him, it's not because you're fast, Tom. You <laughs> right. out, outdid everybody. Out, hey, outlast so, the rest, you know, baby. It's called physically attrition. Physically, it gets hard. Uh, I've noticed changes, you know, right here on the verge of 60 years of age. And I started having some high blood pressure and it's hereditary, basically, maybe stress of job. People say, well, how could you have high blood pressure doing what you're doing? You can't. So then they introduce medicine and then you have to manage that because it changes your physical makeup. And mm-hmm. like my doctor is a runner, which really helps. So we're experimenting right now with some blood pressure medicine because if my blood pressure gets too low, I'm passing out because oh, running yeah. is the same thing the blood pressure medicine does. And, and, and now I'm having trouble with low blood pressure. Well, so that's, oh, wow. those are, you know, so it's like, not like I'm not, I'm taking them, I'm taking medicine for cholesterol because no matter how I ate, my cholesterol never went down. I have a, a genetic predisposition to high cholesterol and obviously high blood pressure. So I love what you're saying about, uh, these guys that are listening who are saying, hey, I want to get going here. 
And I wrote a quote down. You didn't say this, but I, I wrote this down. Do not, do not despise small beginnings. In other words, get on the treadmill and just get on the treadmill and just get on it and, and, and do it regularly. You'll get better. Don't get discouraged. I think there's a big discouragement because we see Ira Brown out there finished in the middle of the pack, and we're like, well, we want to be like that guy. And so we yeah. realize that we can't be like that guy in a year. That guy got there. What is it? What's the quote? It took me all my life to become an over, overnight success, <laughs> right? It's, there's there's yeah. work attached to it. And now I also love what you said about the triathlete because I think this is also a truth. There is a, uh, you know, the phrase that came out in the late 80s, early 90s was cross-training. You know, mix yes. it mix it up. This week is, a, what is it, Thursday? So I, I did a spin class on Monday. I lifted yesterday. yesterday. I'm mountain bike riding today. And tomorrow I'm going to hit a 10-mile hike. And then on our board weekend, we're doing another hike. So I've mixed it up because to me that's enjoyable. Right. Yes. Uh, it's yeah. enjoyable and it's and it's working different muscles. You'll so, burn out. And, you know, guys will uh, I used to try to lift weights uh, with all this. And I I had to I don't lift weights now and that. And sometimes because I just couldn't manage it all time wise, I dropped the weightlifting uh, and I have seasons. The other thing I've seen that has worked for guys is they will have their running season, their cycling season, their. The, the open I'll throw in a race like just an open water swim I did a swim in Lake Superior which was on my bucket list at two miles from uh, Bayfield to Madeline Island I, I when I couldn't hardly swim at all I was riding my, my father-in-law used to have a place up there and we'd go up to was St. Paul drive up to Bayfield and take this ferry across Lake Superior to this island and all this deep cold water and I said I found out they had a swim, and I said, I'm going to swim this. And everybody laughed at me. Well, that I, I, that means I'm going to do it. So I it took me eight years, but uh, two years ago, I went up there, and I did that open water swim. Uh, one of the most mentally intimidating things, the water chop, the cold water, and but it was so satisfying. But uh, I, I do – I'm so for the two months before that, I just swam. I swam at 3,000 yards. <laughs> you know, to try to get up to the, that endurance level. And then I might, I just did a Grand Canyon uh, to Williams, Arizona bicycle race back last October. So I'll have a time when I just ride the road bike, just hammer the road bike. Yeah. And I loved all the little 10 Ks around. So, so, there's, so, so many, there's lots of little races in towns. Now there's three mile races, two mile races, pick a race, pick something and train for it, but don't train five weeks for it. Well, it's interesting. I don't, I'm, I've done a couple, I've done one 24 hour mountain bike race, but I'm not the big racing guy, but I do like to compete against myself. And one of the things I want to do, I want to go rim to rim on the Grand Canyon. Oh gosh. Have you done, has, have you done that? No, there, uh, Don Minter, a guy up in Flagstaff, Naz, Nazarene, he's all the time. He calls them death marches. He's always trying to get me to go. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm like, I'm like, no, man, you're going to ruin my, my sports. Cause I, I like that would hurt me. I would love so to do that. Always after me to if, do that. If you ever but do that, I let's, com- let's do it. I compete against myself. When I say competition, it's as much against myself. Yeah. But I have had to, to realize that it's also about just doing my best. Well, you're you know, saying you're this, this is as you speak, I'm reading a book right now and honestly, it's not a great book. I'm struggling, but, the title is really inspiring. It's just called Drive. Drive. 
there's something in what you're saying on this podcast. There is a drive that you have that is inherent, internal, and it's been going over the long haul. So how, what would you say to somebody? Because let's be honest, if I'm sitting on the couch and I'm sedentary, I lack drive. So yeah. at what point, or is that person destined to be fat and unhealthy? At what point is there, is there this deep motivation that will propel you? At what, was, what, at what point does that, how would you speak to drive to people listening right now? Well, I would first remind ourselves that whatever we devote ourselves to shapes us. Mm. And if it's the couch, it shapes us. And if it's Physic- literally you know, binging on Netflix, it shapes us. Or if it's hey, the hey, church, that hurt. oh God, even the church. I'm all churched out a lot of times in my job. Uh, <laughs> we I, just had a guy on who said that same thing. For you. I'm all churched out. <clears throat> I won't I, tell your I'm people. I'm not speaking of the body of Christ, but I'm speaking of just the machinery. Yeah. So you have to add something that's going to shape you. And, and, you know, we're, you know, we're more than just this soul. We're, we're, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel and you have to put some time to that. And you don't have to do triathlons. I think that's the danger of having me on here. I'm kind of a wackadoodle, man. This is, I've always been this way though, too. I, I used, I always was a hunter. Well, I, I was a crazy man. I put myself into anything I do 100%. Um, so there is some personality to it. Yes. But but there there is also the component that I think you'll get enough good feedback from it and you'll get to where you need it. The greatest fear of my life is that I'm going to be injured and I can't do it anymore. That sounds so crazy. But I it, it there's a change if you'll do it long enough that you'll get there. I don't care what your personality, you'll need it. Yeah. My wife's a great example. Walk. She has to walk. It's when she prays, talks to God and she'll say, it's how I keep the, my cheese on my cracker. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, so, and that is how I keep my cheese on my cracker. I have a shirt. I'll have to send you the picture. It's on my Facebook page. It, it says, I, I cycle to burn off the crazy. I have a t-shirt and there, there's a picture in front of me in front of a big old locomotive at the Grand Canyon railway where I did that race. And the, the photographer was out there and I said, Hey, look at my shirt. And he shot this picture. Cause I do, I do a lot of this to burn off the crazy. It, well, that's it's important. Just, it's addictive in a lot of ways. So it's like anything, the same way I'm addicted to Dr. Pepper. Uh, I can get addicted to exercise. It, it will happen. Well, logically, emotionally, psychologically. Well, I I like how you just said that emotionally, logically, and psychologically. You know, Jesus said, love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So Greek philosophy has crept in to the church around that verse. And so we've said, okay, there are four parts of us, mental, physical, spiritual, social, whatever, uh, you know, heart, mind, soul, strength. But what what we fail to realize is that's not what Jesus meant. And that's not how our body is created. Yes, we do have distinct things. We do have a soul. We do have a spirit. We do have a body. These are, they are distinct, but they come in a package. And so there is a holistic approach uh, to ourselves. So when you get your physical life in order, 
I would maybe I'm wrong here, but the, you said you said earlier when you're praying when you're writing your spiritual life, your cheese goes on the keeps on the cracker, the crazy goes away. Your social life now because now you have more energy to spend time with your grandchildren. Yeah. Your your yeah. um your uh, mental life because now your mind is clear scientifically. We've heard from what uh, Pat was saying and that you know thirty percent more energy, more mental energy. You know, and that's why a lot of guys are proponents of working out in the morning. Because you have that yeah. energy later. In the day. I like to work out in the afternoon because I'm drying out. I need a boost. And so it's just, it's for, but I think there's a holistic approach to this that people don't realize. And there, there are friends you will make that this becomes a common bond. So here in town, one of my friends named David, he's a pastor. So we have that in common, but he's a triathlete and he's a real triathlete. I mean, he's done like <laughs> 50, he's done a marathon for every year he's been alive and he's done all these oh. Ironman. So but I like getting with him because we have a connection. But I have unsaved uh, people are not Christ followers. Uh, the guy who got me started uh, named Tom, and Tom calls me his pastor, but he's not a he's not a follower of Christ. Uh, probably agnostic, if not an atheist. And Tom, when he first got me, he he we swam together for quite a while, and he said, uh, he goes, hey, there's why don't you do this triathlon with me on Sunday? And I said, well, I work on Sundays. And I didn't tell him <laughs> what I did. And, he just kept after me and, and he said, well, what do you do? And I told him I was a pastor and he goes, Oh, <laughs> so, so then about a, a month later, he goes, Hey, I have a, I have a triathlon for you. It's on a Saturday. Ah, Seventh day Adventist triathlon. It's Lake Havasu during spring break. And there'll be a lot of sinners there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that you can convert. And that was one of my, that was one of my first triathlons with him. And I built a friendship with Tom. So there's a missional component. I've just, you know, I've always been the guy, I was a police chaplain for 15 years. I got a lot of stories, but this gets me out of the church and gets me out with other people. It gives me a, a road in, it, you know, it benefits me in a lot of ways. So, so give us some advice. So I'm a 35 year old. Well, I'm, I'm not a 35 year old man, but let's pretend I'm a 35 year old man. I'm commuting to work. I'm listening to this podcast. Wow. I've, <clears throat> I'm a, uh, I would call myself a Christian. I'm a hardworking American guy. I've got a wife and a, three or four kids. I'm living in the stress bubble of life, and and I'm at a job where I don't regulate my diet well, and I am a heavy set guy who's put on 30, 40 pounds since marriage, let's say. That's, that's my personal story there. Um, and I need to do something. What would you tell that guy at 35, what advice would you give him? I would say do not try to do an Ironman this year. <laughs> do not become a triathlete. That you, you are at a tough time in life. But I would say look at your day and something has to go away and you need to add something in. And that adding something in might be starting to lift some weights, uh, walk on a treadmill, take a walk with your wife buy you and your wife bicycles do began to do something physical because you're going to kill you're going to die you're going to not finish well if you don't make a change right then so uh, just pick something start with walking start with a bicycle start with uh, something that you can do and it doesn't have to be you know you're not going to be looking at 12 training 12 to 20 hours a week it takes you 12 hours a week to be able to train to do an Olympic triathlon. So you don't have that much time, but you could train 
to do a, a fun run that was two to three miles. And you could start by run and walk, run, walk. Just 20 minutes. Do it over the lunch hour. Do something, right? Do, yeah, take the I lunch tell guys, hour. do something, anything. Just get in the game. Well, you know, it's funny. I was a. Uh, there's a lot of construction in our hometown here, and I was driving from point A to point B, and I ended up uh, taking a little shortcut, which I'm not going to mention because I don't want people to follow me in that because uh, it's a lot faster when there's nobody there. And I, the shortcut took me through by a retirement community. It was about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. As I drove by, I noticed television on, television on, television on, television on, television on. And I thought, God help me to be a man in my late 70s, 80s, and I live in front of the TV or I live in front of the solitaire game on my, my uh, phone, which that's a true story from somebody else I know. You know, we need to finish well, and that means we do need to get in the game. And so that leads me to our last question. We're, all, we're already done with our uh, hour today. My last question is this. We here at the Man Card Podcast, we have defined the man card. We have the man card. I've literally just finished a book called The Man Card. So I've literally wrote the book on the man card. So when people tell me that I've lost my man card, I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Only we can say that, right? And so uh, I've, I've personally dubbed Hallmark movies okay. And so, uh, <laughs> so anyway, but our five-fold definition of manhood, which this might be a great program for your church. We focus on local churches. But our five-fold definition of the man card is protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. Of those five, Ira, which one really stands out to you the most right now? Right now, it's the last two, which are combined, and it's uh, leading courageously and finishing strong because I am I am fifty nine. Yes, and I I want to finish well, and I you know they might let me do this till I'm sixty eight, at least the the pastoring part. So it's a challenge, and it this is from triathlon. The last miles are the hardest, Whoa. and you may want to sprint the last half mile, but there are times when you you're going to have to walk or you're going to, going to puke your guts out, but you know, you want to finish strong and you, it isn't always mind over matter. I'm, I've heard that my whole life. That is not true. You can get to a place where you cannot will yourself. I've been there. It's a dark place. It's tough. If you think it's tough now, I don't want to discourage anybody. It's tough as you get older and you have to yeah. transition and I want to finish well. I don't want to become apathetic. I don't want to become cynical. I don't want to stop learning. And so I want to finish well. And uh, that's where this physical component is helping me. It, it's helping me. And I see guys all the time. I, I got a guy right now in my church, 82, and he's got into the alpha material. And he lost his wife and his daughter both in a period of five months. And rather than quitting at 80, he says, God, what do you have for me? And I, I have this guy now in my church that is on a mission at 82. And I run into guys doing triathlons that they'll be in their 80s, and they're, they'll still be out there competing. Mm -hmm. And it, I want to finish well as a pastor, as a husband, as a grandfather. And But it's not easy. It takes um, – I need the physical component now more than ever. I need – I need time in the word. I need uh, I need to make sure I still have the integrity. So, yeah, that's the challenge for me right now. And I could stop leading courageously in my local setting and just uh, rest on my laurels. <laughs> but I take risks still. And that kind of frightens me because I'm like, wow, if I 
if they kick me out of here, where am I going to go? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I have absolutely. to start over. I'm at, I'm kind of at the pinnacle for me, and I uh, I don't really want to lose my gig here, but I I want to keep leading courageously. Man, that's so those so are the things that I wrestle with right now. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, you had <clears throat> spoken earlier in the podcast about when you were an empty nester. This is when yeah. when you got motivated. So most of our listeners are not empty nesters. Yes, I in, know. In the last six months, I have become an empty nester. My yeah. wife got hired as a flight attendant, and so not only an empty nester, but four days a week, I'm an empty houser. And so <laughs> yeah. I've I've oh, been this, well. This has been tough. I uh, well, I don't have a lot of time because of what we're doing now. But what does happen is those times when I am at home alone, I am lonely. And so I'm looking oh, at myself yeah. going, I need to do something. So I've been shooting my bow uh, regularly. I've been, I've been doing some things. But I'm thinking maybe I should implement another item or another element of the physical component of my life. Yeah. But, but these are things that are very important because what I don't want to do and what a fear I have and a fear of a lot of older men, Pat, you're an empty nester mm-hmm. and you're retired. Mm-hmm. So the fear is to not be the guy playing bingo or solitaire or watching the sports channel because that's all I have in my life. We have yeah. to get out and move. We have yes. to move. And I think part of the problem, Ira, is that so many men today are passive. The the far majority of men in this world, they build, build a stadium, they build an arena for a reason, that the people in the bleachers, the anonymous people, watch the competitors compete. But when it comes to God's men, we are not made for that. We're all made to be in the arena. And so what happens is I think these guys in the stress bubble get used to being passive in life, and that's hard to get up out of the arena and get down there. And what you're saying is, listen, guy, get out of the bleachers and start walking down. And if you only make it halfway and have to sit down and order a bag of popcorn, do it. Walk another quarter way down and order a hot hot bag of hot peanuts. And then eventually you're going to get down to that arena and then pick up your sword, swing it once, the next day swing it twice, the next day three times. It's just take that next step, man. And I, I really appreciate you because what you did is you said, hey, man, I'm just going to go to the gym instead of lunch. I'm going to walk on the treadmill. And you probably felt like it was worthless. You were barely sweating. But look at you now. And so thank you for that. That makes a big difference. It's thank huge. you for that. Thank you for that. And when you uh, do the rim to rim on the Grand Canyon next year, give me a call. <laughs> hey, maybe we could bike that sucker. Let's let's be two old guys biking that sucker and break a few collarbones. Huh? That'd there be fun. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> no, more, no more bike crashes. That's another podcast, bike crashes. Oh, yeah. I've got a, I've got a few of those, baby. Okay. Well, thanks so much for coming on our show and sharing your wisdom. And I'm sure that you've inspired some of these guys living in the bubble to get okay. off the couch, get off their uh, their comfortable right. seat. So thanks so much for coming. Hey, guys, you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Changing your world is the toughest thing you're ever going to do. But we want to give you three simple steps to encourage you as a world changer. First one is this. Go and enlist in our free stuff. We say this every week. Get our free app. Get down, download it off the. It's just it, you're gonna love this thing. Subscribe to the Man Card Podcast. Join the Men in the Arena Closed Facebook forum. These are all free, guys. Second thing, invest in becoming your best version. You know, I want you to buy our resources. We've got the best material out there for guys, but you may have to go and invest in a gym membership. And that for you might be the thing you need to do. You may have all the head knowledge in the world, but you're a sloth. Get off your butt and go join the gym. You may have to buy a pair of hiking shoes. I don't know what it is, but you invest. I'm giving you permission to invest in becoming the best version of you. I had a guy say to me, does that mean I can go buy a bass boat? No, buddy. 
because you're still fat in the bass boat. That's right. Invest in your best version. And the third thing, guys, is this. Change your world. Get involved in championing the causes that you care about. Get involved in your community. Get involved in your local church. Get involved in the great hunt for God. Get involved. Get out of the anonymous, faceless, male-filled bleachers. Become a man. Get in the arena. Because when a man gets it, Everyone wins. Guys, until next time. Hey, guys, if you have any Magnum guys, uh, Ira came to us through one of our listeners. If you have any Magnum guys that have a specialized area of manhood or they've they're written some cool stuff about manhood or some specialized area, let us know. We'll get those guys on the show. We've got some amazing guests coming a few months ahead of time here. We're super excited about what is going on. The podcast is growing. Our last four months have been the, some of the best months we've ever had. So, guys, we just can't wait to share what we have coming up next time until that time feel the wet sand on the arena floor hear the deafening roar of the crowd <gasps> taste the sweetness well there was a girl in the crowd Did you hear that yeah. anyway taste the sweetness man i'll tell you ira that sounded like your wife cheering you on right there okay uh, taste the sweetness of victory smell the stench of battle get in the game get dirty grind it out don't drown while you're doing it and be a man this is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of you, then join the thousands of men around the country on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called the Man Card Weekend with The Men in the Arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of Jim's new book, The Man Card, Five Characteristics Separating Men from Boys. This is the best book out there that defines what a man is and does. In it, Jim combines his master storytelling abilities with his no-holds-barred style, distinguishing between men and boys. If you want to keep your man card, then pick up a copy of this life-changing book today. Simply go to the Great Hunt for God app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. Thank you for listening to this episode, the Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.